0: Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind, I'm Brian McAllen television station WPTV reports that Omar Sharif is a 16-year-old student who is taking big steps to help the blind and visually impaired. Omar invented a special glove called the Helping Hand. The Helping Hand features a computer and cameras that analyze an image. A user of this device holds out their hand, presses a button, And takes a picture of their surroundings and in just seconds the glove says what is in front of them omar joins us from his hometown of vero beach florida to talk about his new and exciting invention for the blind and visually impaired hi omar
2: hi how's it going
1: good we want to learn more about
2: you why don't you tell us about yourself yep so I'm currently a senior in high school at St. Edward's School in Vero Beach, and I've been interested in computer science for quite a long time now. And so there were a couple of events that led me to uh, create a device to aid the visually impaired and the blind. Um, And so just over the years, I've just had a real passion for the subject of computer science. And then uh, I went on to, I guess, build a device that I created to try and help the visually impaired and the blind, given that I'd already had some experience in computer science um, and so, yeah, as I said, I'm a senior, and aside from that, I also uh, play tennis, and I'm part of the school's Model UN club. So there's a lot of other things I do just besides computer science, uh, but that's definitely one of my main interests, and it allowed me to build a device that I created.
1: How did you get interested
2: in working with the visually impaired? I hear it's quite a story. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the culmination of two main events. Uh, well, one, when I was pretty young, around nine years old, I traveled to India uh, with my parents because uh, that's my heritage i'm indian descent and so one of my dad's friends actually ran an orphanage there and so my dad kind of wanted me to get a an outlook on uh, life i guess in poverty because here in the united states at least where i live i'm very blessed and fortunate to go to um, to school in in a place that's relatively um uh financially pr- pretty good and so he wanted me to take a look at how things are on the other side of the world, and so we went to this orphanage, and it was kind of my really first experience with the blind and the visually impaired and I saw a lot of these kids for some reason, India seems to have a pretty high uh, percentage of visually impaired population and so I saw these kids there who were visually impaired. It was a mix of both sighted and non sighted kids, and so the kids that didn't have sight were actually kind of bullied a bit um they were kind of pushed aside and marginalized because. Of course, we, we were from America, and so all the kids were really excited to see us. So they all came running towards us when, when we came in. And so some of the kids, I, I noticed, were being kind of pushed aside and bullied, and they weren't able to kind of uh, – it was, it was difficult for them to kind of fit in the group, and they were kind of marginalized for their, for their inability to, I guess, see. And so that kind of struck me. I mean, it didn't do much for me then when I was nine years old. I mean, I kept it with me until 10th grade where I had another experience – our school does this thing called pals day where i guess uh special needs students from the wabasso school come and they spend a day with students from our school and we show them around we have a good time play games uh do little different activities with them and so a friend of mine and i in the 10th grade were paired with a a visually impaired student and so that i saw uh, with that event i saw firsthand the anxiety uh, that the student had really with the unfamiliarity to his new environment and these new surroundings. And he was always asking me, Hey, what's in front of me? What, where are we going now? What, what, I just walked into this room. What's what's inside the room. And so I kind of went out of that day after like, uh, they went, they left on the buses. I kind of thought to myself, cause I already had a pretty good knowledge base of computer science. I thought there must be something that I, I can do using my knowledge to try and help these people. Um, to kind of make life easier and improve their like social independence so that they didn't have to rely on someone like me and my friend who was guiding them around the school. And so that's kind of led me to um, go into a a device to to aid the visually impaired and the blind. So I spent a couple months after that. So from the summer of my, after my 10th grade year to around like January of my junior year, I'd worked uh, those months to code the device and kind of learned what I needed to in terms of artificial intelligence to, and computer vision to build a device that is able to do uh, what you said, which is surround, uh, recognize surrounding uh, objects, faces, and text, and then audibly convey that to the user through speakers or headphones.
1: That's amazing. Let's continue talking about the helping hand. What does the glove contain?
2: Yep, so the glove, what it does is it's kind of a really basic glove, and then on the index finger, on the left side of the index finger, there are three buttons. And so this is for, I guess, the right-handed model. There are three buttons, one for each of the different tasks. And so what that allows you to do is when you clench your fist, you can, with your thumb, you have access to all three of the, of the buttons on the side. And then on top of the glove, there's a camera and a mini computer. And like that kind of sounds like a lot, but when you put the device on, it actually doesn't weigh all that much. And it's pretty ergonomic and it's not, not very uncomfortable. And so that camera, when you press a button, it takes a picture of your surroundings uh, and then feeds that in through the mini computer. I'm using a raspberry Pi, which is a really uh, educational board that's been around for a couple of years now. And it's used for a lot of uh, programming, uh, especially like uh, a lot of like, uh, different projects, and it's been used a lot for computer vision and artificial intelligence recently. And so it takes a picture, it feeds it in through the mini computer, and then you can either connect headphones or speakers to the device. And basically, it just tells you in English uh, what it is that it sees. So, for instance, let's say I walk into a room that has like three chairs and a bed. Uh, I walk in, I press the button for object recognition, it takes a picture with the camera, feeds that into the device. It runs its artificial intelligence algorithms, uh, and then within three to five seconds, it'll actually tell you, I found uh, five objects, four chairs, uh, and one bed, and then the user can, I guess, go on from there.
1: But how does the helping hand analyze the image, actually analyze the image, and know the, the level of detail that it can capture?
2: Yeah, so that was one of the, uh, I guess, hardest parts of creating the device was figuring out the artificial intelligence and computer vision programs that I needed to write for the device to work. And so basically how the device works is these AI algorithms that the device runs on have previously been trained on different objects. So given thousands of training images, they, the algorithm kind of fine tunes and learns what makes different objects unique. And then when a new image is fed, uh, one that it's never seen before, it's able to kind of compare uh what it sees in the image to the existing library of objects that it's been trained upon to be able to recognize like with detail exactly what it is that's in front of the device so that's kind of how it works for object recognition Um, and then for facial recognition it kind of works in the same manner uh, where you put in one training image of the person and so let's say i take a picture of my face i feed that onto the device uh, and then I put my name in as well, and then from that one image of my face it kind of learns what makes my face unique and then is able to recognize it in any other situation or surrounding um and it's able to it'll be able to uh, tell me like this is the face of Omar and it's able it only requires one training image and after that it works with uh, over ninety five percent accuracy and it's able to work with around like three hundred faces um so basically you just Put in a training image of the face then you take a picture and then you press the second button because remember there are three buttons on the device So an object recognition button a facial recognition and a text recognition button So when you press the facial recognition button it then compares the face that it found to the existing faces in the library Of trained faces and it's able to tell you exactly who it is. That's in front of you
1: So it's pretty intelligent
2: Yes, one might say um I mean that's been kind of a huge field that 's been growing quite rapidly in recent years is artificial intelligence and computer vision and what 's interesting about this device is that even if I were to try and have done it i 'd say even three to four years ago i don 't think I would, would have been able to do it because uh, just the nature of the the field has been the, the field has been advancing quite rapidly, and the ability to run local object recognition on such a small mini computer just would not have been possible just because it would have required too many, uh, like computation, too much computational processing power to be able to do that. My little mini computer that I was using probably wouldn't have been able to do it with a high enough degree of accuracy. And so that's one of the interesting things about the device now is that it doesn't require any internet. It runs completely locally. So everything that the device needs is on, uh, on the code written on the mini computer and it doesn't require any wi-fi or internet connection which is one of my main goals in creating the device and so it definitely is a very intelligent device uh and i worked hard to to make it that way and include the algorithms that i needed to to be so how do the blind
1: use the glove
2: Yep. so they just put the glove on um then they either if you can use a speaker and so That'll just tell you exactly what it is uh, when when it conveys audibly or you can plug in headphones into the side of the mini computer that's mounted onto the device uh, and that'll make it a bit more portable and like if you're on your own, uh, it won't really disturb those around you. Uh, and then you put the glove on, you connect the, you put the headphones in your ears and then there's also a small battery pack that you need to connect. Um, it's uh, You can use a range of different battery packs but you can use one that's about the size of like a, an iPhone. And if you use a battery pack that size, it'll last you around like two to three weeks on a charge. And so basically you can put that in your pocket. And then as you're walking down, or if you're going to an unfamiliar environment or a new situation, uh, how I how it has been being used or and how I envision it being used is that when like you walk into a room, for, uh, for instance, then you kind of take a picture of of the different parts of the room so like you take a picture of one side of the room and you're on object recognition that'll tell you uh what's in front of you like a, a desk a chair a uh, computer monitor then then you take another picture then you kind of do this across the entire room um and then you can kind of get an understanding of what exactly is around you um and then for facial it'll tell you that it, it found a person in front of you and so if you know that there's a person in front of you then you can go on to run facial recognition if you need to and then if there's text in front of you, you can go on to a text recognition to be able to recognize exactly what's in front of you. Like, so for instance, if there's a menu, a dinner menu, or maybe like a sign, it'll be able to recognize uh, the text on those things and then uh, read it out to you like in English through the either speakers or headphones that you decide to use. And so that's the uh, first generation of the prototype, which I've been distributing to a lot of visually impaired and blind people in the local community where I live just to get feedback and improve the device. Um, but one interesting or interesting thing I'm working on is a second generation device. And with that, it has the capability to kind of run panoram- panoramic object recognition. So rather than having to take multiple pictures and kind of stitch it up on yourself and realize uh, how exactly the room is laid out, what you can do is you can kind of hold the button and then pan around the entire room uh, or whatever location you're at. And it'll be able to um, co- kind of compile those images and run them, run them through uh, the mini computer and then um tell you exactly what's in front of you in each of the different parts of the image So, will say in the in the right side of the uh the room you have a computer a desk in the middle you have a bed in the left uh you have let's say like a nightstand or something and so that's one interesting thing that i've been working on and it's pretty much almost ready to be put into testing right now uh i have tested the uh first generation device which has the basic object facial and text recognition with a lot of the visually impaired and blind people in my community. And so I'm just, that's my hope from now here on out is just to gain as much research and uh, feedback as I can to improve the device and make it really usable for the visually impaired and blind.
1: What sort of feedback have you gotten and who have you talked to?
2: Yeah, the feedback I've, got, I've gotten is actually like extremely positive. Uh, at first, it just, the device just started out as a research project for science fair. Uh, luckily, I did pretty well. I went on to the state and then the international levels for science fair. And at that point in time, I thought to myself like yeah this is a this is a cool idea. And maybe it'll pan out, but I'm not sure about how successful like it can really be or, or its potential at all. Uh, but then I started taking it to visually impaired and blind students locally. And so I went to the Indian River State College, which is one nearby me, and they have a few students who are visually impaired and blind. And so I tested it with them for the first time just um, during my junior year of high school. And then uh, the feedback I got was just so positive. And I, I was very motivated from that. Uh, they're like, I've never used a device like this. And... Uh, it's really amazing, and I like urge you to continue on. And then I've been going back and testing the device with them further. And so pretty much everyone I've tested the device with, I've gone to the Lighthouse for the Blind in the Palm Beaches. Uh, i tested with some people at the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind. And so a lot of the um, feedback I've gotten is really positive, and they just encourage me to keep working on the device and kind of fine-tuning it because, of course, it is uh, like in its early infancy, and there's quite a bit of work to go before it's something that I feel is like ready to be sold Uh, at a mass production level, but at its current state, there there still is quite a lot of potential and all the reactions and feedback that I've gotten has kind of attested to that. Uh, Mainly what I hear like in terms of how I can improve the devices, uh, one of the main things is including distance, right? So how far away a device or an object is from the user, um, that's something that I hope to incorporate as well. And then... Of course, increasing the ergonomics and then the speed and accuracy of the devices, and the number of objects that can be recognized is something that uh, people always want um, but one interesting thing about the device is that it is fairly inexpensive. I use a lot of really basic off the shelf components so to build a device, it cost me around sixty five dollars and so with that price point, of course like these are um, I hope to make some improvements in the future and with more work and more design, the cost is going to be up a little bit, but I hope to keep this under $200 to be able to reach a much wider array of people uh, than a lot of other devices, because there are some devices that are kind of similar to what I built. Like the, I guess the one that parallels my device the most is the OrCam MyEye. And so that device, while it is able to recognize like different objects uh, and text, it's kind of a couple thousand dollars. And uh, I feel like it doesn't really, it's not really accessible to a wide range of people. So I guess my device comes in and I hope to be able to, while it is limited in functionality compared to that device, given the fact that it's not able to recognize as many objects just due to the fact that I'm using more basic components um, and I was not capable of doing that. Um, it's able to, I guess, be more accessible to people who may not have the financial abilities to uh, afford a multiple thousand dollar device like that.
1: How much is the glove going to cost for people to buy?
2: Yeah, so my intended price point is under $200. Um, So hopefully right around there. Um, Because I haven't done, I guess, uh, I'm not at the stage yet where I can fully realize what the cost of of each device will be if I were to mass produce it. Just because um, I'm just a senior in high school and I guess I haven't really um, looked much into that and I don't really have the experience to figure out exactly what that is. Uh, like for, for how to go about creating a supply chain for the device and figuring out um, how exactly I can go about mass producing it. But of course, as I go into college, um, I hope to learn exactly what it is that I need to be able to make this device uh, on a much larger scale and then hopefully sell it at under $200. Right now, I'm not sure as to uh, how exactly the, the prices will come to be when I go into mass production, which is the hope as I go into to college and beyond.
1: Okay. Well, you're going to be going to college soon, and you're going to be definitely learning more how to make this and learning more how to help the blind and visually impaired, too.
2: Yep, for sure. That's the goal.
1: That's the goal. Uh, you said this uh, invention has won some awards. Tell us about those awards.
2: Yep. So in the Florida State Science and Engineering Fair, I got first place. Uh, and then in the Intel International Science Fair, I placed third. Um, and so. And that was uh, a great great like motivating factor for me because it kind of made me believe in my device because I had gone to science fairs in the past uh, but I never really made it that far and so each year I would kind of scrap that idea uh, the idea that I had and move on to the next but going on to the international levels and doing fairly well there it kind of made me realize that this is definitely a device that I should hold on to and and build further uh, just because of the fact that if these science fair judges who are, very talented and respected in their own fields. Uh, if they believe in my device, then uh, I should as well. And so getting those awards was very nice. And then that moved me uh, to go start getting some feedback and doing some actual market research uh, pertaining to the device. And so uh i'm i had been doing that and now it's just a matter of uh, working on the device and iterating it further and further to get it to a point where i could happily put it in the hands of any uh, blind visually impaired person and they could kind of put their faith in the device and not have it have any like issues in terms of recognizing objects and have it being able to work without any bugs or issues um and so that's that's the goal that i hope to um I hope to complete, especially with my senior year of high school, uh, college applications. I guess I'm still working on those a bit, but uh, as soon as those are, those are over with, I'm going to have, I'd say a little bit more free time on my hands to be able to work on the device, uh, to be able to make it, uh, increase the speed and accuracy and make it something that I really want to share with, uh, a huge number of people.
1: I was reading Stewart Magazine, and I understand that the glove doesn't—it's—it's it's not just the glove you get, but also a pair of glasses,
2: right? Yeah. So, um, when I did my first round of like market feedback, uh, I was told that the glove may not always be the the best way about going about like putting creating this device because some some blind. And visually impaired people really don't like the fact that there's cloth i guess covering their hands because of course their sense of touch is very important for them and while the device i like with some of the gloves i have cut the finger portions off of the gloves so that those are kind of open um that's still the, it still kind of covers the palm of the hand uh, a bit more than people would like and so because of that i went on to build two more like form factors of the device they do the same thing they're just uh different ways of go about using the devices, uh a handheld version which has kind of like the size of a, a phone and then you kind of put that in your pocket and then what has three buttons on the top that you can click for each of the three different functions. Then a glasses version that you can put on and then plug in earphones and then it'll go about telling you exactly what's in front of you through through that manner. So I have yes a helping hand, uh, which I I guess is my main product, and that that's my main focus. Uh, That that's usually what I work on the most. Then there's also a handheld device, and then a glasses version to be used as well, depending on your preference.
1: Where can our listeners learn more about the glove?
2: Yep. So uh, I am uh, like still working on a device. I mean, on a a website. I'm sorry. as like a senior of course the schedule is still a bit uh filled and uh, i myself am doing most of the work uh for the company and so i'm developing a website right now and it should be up within the the coming weeks and right now uh if they have any questions they can email secondsiteai@gmail.com um and so i'll uh i'm i'm checking that email constantly and then i'll also update them uh we used to send out some uh, monthly like updates about what the company is doing uh, to be able to kind of uh, let them know what's going on with the device and the website uh, I can send them any information uh, about the website soon enough uh, the domain name is I believe secondsiteai.org but it hasn't been um, the the website isn't there yet but it should be up within the next next few weeks and they can learn more about the device and the things that I'm doing in the future
1: Omar, I'm sure listeners will be looking forward to using the helping hand and the potential to improve their mobility with the ability to find the people, places, and things around them. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. And before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this show. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakoutatacbradio.org. In my show archive, visit acbradio.org. Slash speaking out for dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page. And below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on acb radio mainstream please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org that's support at acbradio.org you are listening to acb radio mainstream connecting the blind community
0: luscious ocean waves, peaceful music, inviting us to spend time together in the quiet. This show, in its sixth year and now on ten stations, brings each week peaceful music and inspiring messages for greater well-being. What if some added peacefulness could give you some extra elasticity of spirit during your week, what if added quiet time could make a difference in actions versus reactions, in choices and overall quality of life? I'm Debbie Hazelton, bringing this show each Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern here on ACB Radio Interactive. I hope you'll join us where together our time we spend in the quiet makes a positive difference in our world. That's Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, here on ACB Radio Interactive, In the Quiet. Quiet. For the world, this is ACB Radio, where your listening is our business.